0: Pray with me, pray with me. Father, sometimes we clap loudly because we rejoice and sometimes, Lord, we sit reverently and think about what we've just heard. This feels like one of those moments, Lord, where we're just still. Your word says be still and know that I am God. And Lord, we uh, hereby abdicate our um, thrones and we confess that we sometimes usurp your place in this world and in our lives. We practice a functional atheism, Lord, whereby we worship you on Sunday, but live on Monday through Saturday like it's all up to us. And Lord, we deplore that because it's done us no good. We, uh, like every other idol ever formed on the face of this earth, never fail to fail when we take your place. So this morning, Lord, in this song, we have heard the truth that you alone are God. That there is no other. And so we will give our devotion and our heart's affection and our mind's attention to nobody else, to nobody less, because everybody else is less than you. And this morning, God, we pray that you would teach us something about how to worship you, because some of us have been doing it our whole lives. We were on the cradle roll in our churches, and we have always been in church on this day of the week. But this morning, Lord, In humility, we must admit that we are novices at this, that the best of us is um, trying to play marbles with diamonds this morning, and we are standing on holy ground, and as best we can, help us to take off our shoes, not to pick blackberries from the bush that is ablaze with your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God is good. All the time. I didn't say that last week. Do you know how I, I know I didn't say that last week? Because a bunch of you told me I didn't say that last week. That's how I know. Did you bring an offering today? Isn't that a terrible way for a pastor to start a sermon? I'm not talking about money But about an offering, an offering that is worthy of our God. And here's what I know that when we talk about worship, when we collectively, the body of Christ, talk about worship these days, for 30 some years now, I've been hearing people say, I got what I needed today. I really got something out of that. I need to get something, I need to have my needs met in worship. What's interesting to me is that in the central teaching of the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans on the subject of worship where he says, and this is your spiritual worship and he defines it for us. He doesn't say anything about getting what I need or having my needs met or getting what I like. What he talks about is not getting, but giving our lives as a living, holy sacrifice to God. And that intrigues me. I read this week um, Matt Redmond's story about his church, Soul Survivor, an interesting name for a church, S-O-U-L Survivor, over in England. And in that church, They um, got sort of wrapped around the axle on the subject of worship and they had lights and they had band and drums and musicians and all kinds of motion and emotion and some would say commotion going on and one day the pastor realized in all the hubbub that they had lost their focus and that week he did a brave thing. Mike Pilavachi said, um, take out all the speakers take out all the instruments, no musicians on stage, no singers on stage. And when the people walked in, he asked the same question I asked you. Did you bring an offering with you today? People started fumbling for their wallets and purses. And he said, no, no, no. We don't have anything else to offer God, but what you brought with you today. What is your offering To God. Would you open your Bibles with me this morning to Romans chapter 12 out of that experience when eventually they brought back the instruments and the music. What happened that morning was somebody began to sing softly a song and somebody joined in and another and then somebody lifted a word of praise and somebody started to pray and it was probably a lot like worship back in the first century. Before they had liturgy and forms, their lives were a liturgy. They lived the doxology. And out of that, Matt Matt Redmond said, um, when the music fades, he wrote this song, and all is stripped away, and I simply come longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, God, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within to the, than the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it, because it's all about you. Would you stand with me as we read God's word? Romans, Romans chapter 12. Verse 1, the only place where Paul says this is your worship and defines it for us. Let's just listen to it. I'm going to read the first five verses just for context. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not... Think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you just as each of you has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. You may be seated. How do we live the doxology? How do we become a living doxology? We've been thinking about this for the last couple of weeks. Today ends this series, but next week we begin a series called Worship at Home, looking at how we can teach our families and our friends how to love God with our hearts, souls, minds, and strength. Five weeks in a row, on worship and it is the subject of conversation in my life and in my executive staff and in our staff meeting. How do we teach Tallawood to worship? How do we learn to worship ourselves in such a way that we're not just worship leaders but we are lead worshipers? So you can see when we're here and when you run into us in the grocery store and when you see us sitting beside the, the, the stands at the basketball game or the baseball game at the little league field, you can see the way that we worship God by the way we live. And the Apostle Paul comes to them and says, because God because God knows everyone and everything and because he owes us nothing. He gets all the glory and all the praise. Yes, yes, yes. That's where we stopped last week with the doxology. And then he starts in verse one saying, Therefore, in view of God's mercies, Paul uses that word therefore four times in chapter 3 verse 20 and chapter 5 verse 1 chapter 8 verse 1 and here and here's what he says in view of all that we have learned about God giving us salvation through Jesus Christ. Let us live lives of worship in which we are continually presenting our bodies and our minds to God as living Holy, sacrifices, pleasing to God alone. So is is that what you mean by worship? Because these days, a lot of times when people talk about worship, they... Have, have, we have narrowed it down to a very specific element in worship. So I like the worship this morning. I like the praise in worship. I like worship. I like the music. And we, we, we sort of narrow it down. But worship, Paul says, is when you and I give God everything that we are all the time. So are you worshiping this morning? You say, I'm here <laughs> Well, that's a good start because it's, it's hard to worship God without being present to him. But what I want us to see is that worship is about making an offering of our whole lives to God. Listen to what Paul teaches us about this because it's important. The first thing he says to us is that worship, worship is crucial So if I asked you as you look out at your uh, calendar for this week, what's the most important thing you have to do? Your answer to me in view of what I've just said would be the most important thing you have to do. The most important thing I have to do this week is worship God. And Paul was urgent about worship because he says, notice, I urge you. Therefore, I'm coming along beside you. It's the word parakaleo gives us parakletes. The Holy Spirit, the comfort of the counselor. He says, I'm counseling you. I'm putting my arm around you. I'm encouraging you. I'm urging you to worship God. And Paul was urgent about worship. And I want to ask you, Tallawood, are we urgent about worship? How much does it matter to us? Is it the central activity of our souls? And do we give ourselves to it fully? And you say to me, Pastor, I think you're, 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 you're taking this too far. I mean, why would we be urgent about worship? Well, I might, I might say to you that if you tell me what you are urgent about, I'll tell you what you worship. Whatever you think about first when you wake up in the morning, whatever you think about when you're trying to go to sleep at night, the thing that you talk about when you're with your friends, the thing that makes your eyes light up and you get excited and start chattering about, that is your object of worship. It might be the stock market. It might be your job. It might be your new boyfriend or girlfriend or somebody in your family. It might be your money. It might be your favorite sports team. It might be any number of things, but whatever it is, if it's the central thing in your life and it's all you think about, that's what you worship. And here's what I know, everybody here is a worshiper. So I want you to be urgent about the worship of God alone. And if you ask me why, I will answer you with Paul's words, in view of God's mercies. The word is a a different word for mercies, oictirmon, compassions. It's the same word used in... um, uh, Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, the father of all compassions. And I think Paul has been talking about God's compassion in the whole book of, of Romans, the whole story of our sin, nobody three, verse 20. Therefore, no one is justified by keeping works of the law. Chapter 5, verse 1. Since we have been justified by faith. Chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, in view of God's mercies, that God commended, I love the NRSV, proved his love for all of us by sending his son for us. Now, he says, you present your bodies as living sacrifices to God, I want you to hear this truth that that we live our lives in full view of God's mercies. My dad lives up in Colorado. He wonders why I don't come see him more. I need to go up there more often. But when I go up there, he always says to me, you know, the most valuable property in Colorado is if you have a view of a mountain, Um, you know, Pikes Peak. You'll see it in real, real estate uh, advertisements up there with a view of Pikes Peak, and uh, I was out in El Paso years ago on on our mission trips. We went two or three years on spring break and took our kids. and I don't know if you remember those cinnamon donuts. I just remember things in terms of food. But I remember going out there and and everywhere you would see a sign that said Desert View Property, and I was like, Really? <laughs> you got a clear view of the desert? Yeah. Is there something else? Then I was thinking in Houston, what would it be? You know. Over, uh, overpass view property. <laughs> you can get a view of the overpass or, you know, what would it be? Downtown or Memorial Park or Hershey Park or whatever it would be. Here's what I know. Everybody in this room lives in full view of the mercies of God. You don't have to look far. And a man with a much more interesting name than mine, Hans Urs von Balthasar, says this. Only... When we look into the eyes of the crucified one, do we recognize the abyss of our selfishness? And if we're not living our lives in view of God's mercies, then I understand why we think it's all about us. But if we have ever looked into the eyes of the one who was crucified for us, that's got to be the end of our entitlement. I mean, just right there, it, it just ends And we're urgent about worship because God was urgent about saving us. I urge you, therefore, in view of God's mercies. No no wonder Tozer said that, that worship is the missing crown jewel in the life of the church. And we are urgent about this and that and any number of things, but I'm asking you to realize with me this morning, worship is crucial because of the cross those words are related crucial and cross worship is urgent worship is also relational I urge you therefore my brothers and sisters I like the new NIV on that he was never just talking to the men in the room brothers and sisters and what he's saying is we have the same heavenly father Malachi says have we not one father John says in first John chapter 3 verse 1 I was reading this week Look at the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. We are all part of God's family. We are connected to each other. I grew up in churches. I am really dating myself. But I grew up in churches where we sang every Sunday, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood, joined heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod. You know it's an older song if it has the word sod in it. For I'm part of the family, the family of God. I'm just going to tell you what I think this morning, and I am not a musician, but I do not think that was great music. I don't. But I do think it's great truth that we are part of a family and we are interconnected with each other. And the reason I read verses 3, 4, and 5 of Romans 12 is because in those passages, what Paul says to us is that we're connected with each other. Beyond that, that we belong to each other. So we shouldn't think too highly of ourselves, but we ought to think about each other and we ought to be. And then he goes down in Romans 12 and and in verse 10, he says, we ought to be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And in verses 13 and 15, he describes the life of the body. And he says, we rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those who weep. And we are connected at the heart with each other because we have the same heavenly father we are. Are in this together and if you want to know about it I'll just tell you about it I have had some great times of worship in recent weeks maybe some of the sweetest individual times I have ever had with the Lord in my life in the last couple of weeks but I'll also say to you that when I come in this place that's not what this is about this is about you and I taking all that God has poured into our souls all week long and bringing that together as a corporate offering to him. Rod Cooper told about his um, mom making stew when he was growing up and, and he would come in. He loved it when she made stew. Melanie made stew over the holidays. I don't ever remember Melanie making stew, but it was it was marvelous. And Rod Cooper tells about um, his mother making stew and he would go out and play and come in and say, is it ready yet? And she would lift the lid and go, no, it's, it's not. All the Everything's in there, but it's not together enough ready yet for the aroma to be you no know, and she she put the lid and he'd go back out inside me okay, come back in is it ready yet no she no and then eventually he would come in famished and hungry and she would lift that lid and you could just smell how all the elements had converged in. and she would say yes It's ready now. And in my mind's eye, like Rod Cooper, I think when you and I come together and we begin to sing together these beautiful songs like we were singing this morning and we lay aside everything else that we were worried about when we came in and we come into the presence of God and we begin to connect with him, but not just with him, but with each other. And all the elements are together. And I think there must be times when the Lord, when we are singing from our hearts, when we are listening with our souls, when we are praying with our minds, that God just lifts the lid and goes, oh yeah, yeah, it's ready now, it's ready. And now, now God says, now, now I can come. Um, How good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity because God says, there I will be. There I will bestow my blessing. If you, if two or more of you agree on anything, there I will be. And I don't know about you, but I I would hate to be in church without him. (laughs) You know, I want to be where he is worship is crucial worship is relational one last thought worship is sacrificial at its very core worship is about sacrifice listen listen it's the sacrifice of our bodies I read a little novella last year Christian writer wrote this Marietta's ecstasy about a woman who entered a convent to become a nun and had visions of God it's a fascinating little bitty book but there's a moment in it when she walks up and she looks at herself in the mirror and she says to God all of this is for you I am all for you my whole life is for you I belong to to you, Listen to the way Eugene Peterson puts it in the message. This will help us. He said, um, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. That's the mercies of God part that he's using there. Since God is helping you with his mercies, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. So if somebody asks you, why'd you go to church today? You might have thought when you were coming, cause I, I love the choir or I love the orchestra or I love the music. Um, or you might've said, cause I like to sit with my friends, but here's the real deal. Here's the whole thing. Why do we go to church to worship? Now here's the, here's the kicker. If we're taking Paul seriously, if I, if somebody asks you, why do you go to school? Your answer is to worship. Why do I go to work? To worship. The chief end of human beings on this earth, Westminster Confession says, is to give glory to God and enjoy Him forever. You know you come here to worship, but I'm telling you, you go out there to worship. You get up in the morning to worship. You go to work to worship. You go to school to worship. You love your spouse and your children to worship. You treat your friends right to worship. You live to worship. You die to worship. And when this life is over, all we're going to do forever and ever in amazingly creative ways, I believe, is worship him forever. And it starts today giving our bodies, our whole lives as living sacrifices to God. Johnny Erickson taught us said. Her second or third prayer after she was paralyzed was, God, if you're not going to let me die, then show me how to live. That's the prayer of every believer. Until I'm taken from this world, God, show me how to live. Stott puts it in, a, I think, a, a helpful way to help us understand what it means to give our bodies to God. He says, um, It it has to do with our feet walking in God's path and our lips speaking his truth and our hands lifting up those who have fallen, our arms embracing the lonely and unloved and our ears listening to the cries of the distressed. and our eyes will look humbly and patiently towards God. That's being a living sacrifice, not only a living sacrifice, but he says a holy sacrifice. There's a relatively recent song that captures my thoughts about holy. When I look up uh, in Isaiah chapter six and hear Isaiah saying, holy, holy, holy. I remember it when I was over in Brazil. I love the way they say it. Santo, Santo, Santo. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And this new song says, what do I know about holy? And where, where have I ever but just the 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 wading water of the ocean of your holiness and yet the scripture calls us holy and first Timothy 2 says I want everybody everywhere to lift holy hands up to God I remember the first time I saw that I was at an Imperials concert in Fort Worth Texas and people were lifting their hands and I thought I have sat in the wrong section (laughs) it doesn't say Pentecostals but here I am, a Baptist, sitting among the hand lifters. And here's the deal, here's the deal. The Bible commands us to lift our hands in worship. And there are moments in my life when all I can do is come out with my hands up and just surrender unconditionally to God as I worship him. But here's the thing. If you're going to lift your hands, make sure they're holy hands. Wash clean by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll know whether your living sacrifice is a holy sacrifice. As John Chrysostom, one of the early preachers, the golden tongue, that's what Chrysostom means. John, the preacher in the early life of the church said, if your eyes look at no evil thing, your eyes are a sacrifice. If um, your tongue speaks nothing filthy, then it's an offering. If your hand does no lawless deed, it has become a whole burnt offering, living, holy. Here's the kicker. Pleasing to God. Because here's the deal. When I hear people talk about worship, and I mean from all different stripes, what I hear people say is, I really liked that. It was pleasing to me. But remember, we started this series with Eric Little saying, when I run, I feel God's pleasure and I want us to get to the place where, the, 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 where we know and the city of Houston knows when we worship, we are pleasing to God and if we're not worshiping, we are not pleasing to God and it's not about us, it's not about us. Another song um, said, um, it's all about you, Jesus. It's, it's not about me, as if you should do things my way. For you alone are God, and I surrender to your ways. And we and we and we sing Charles Wesley's song, Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Worship that way. Let's pray. God, thank you for your amazing love and grace and goodness. Lord, help us, I pray today, Lord, not to take your love and your mercies lightly, but to receive them as gifts from your hand and teach us how to worship, Lord, and teach us how to love you with all that we are. We ask it in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.